good music tonight and singing and worship. It's good to worship the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. Don't forget Sunday is Sunday is is the Lord's day. And it's church day. It's church time. Amen. And we're coming together Sunday to worship the Lord and uh, praise God. It's supposed to be a nice day. Up in the 50s, 57, then the bottom's dropping out, I think, Monday. But uh, amen. Anyway, come to church Sunday. Invite somebody to come to church with you Sunday and be a part of um, worship time, worship service at Abundant Life Family Church. God is just so good. I'm expecting great things from the Lord this weekend. Saturday at, uh, at uh, 11 o'clock is prayer time, prayer meeting. So if you can at all, uh, make plans to come to prayer meeting on Saturday. We come and pray for, but mainly for our Sunday services, for God to just move and have His way in our Sunday services. So be in prayer, invite folks, and come and be faithful to the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Church will do the body good. It'll do you good. Um, Open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of James, the very first chapter of the book of James tonight. I told you Sunday, didn't, have, didn't know what I was going to minister on tonight. I said, come and we'll all be surprised. So, um, amen. So, you know, just Monday and just, I don't even know how I got over into this, but I was just doing some studying on Monday and um, just wound up here in the first chapter of James and begin to do some studying here and the Lord just and just blessed me and fed me from James chapter 1. So I'm going to just teach out the overflow. Is that all right? I think that's the best way to do it anyway. But uh, in James chapter 1, and I want to talk to you tonight on uh, turning trials into triumphs. Turning trials into triumphs. Because I think this is subject matter that all of us deal with because we all deal with trials in our life and tests in our life. And James deals with this. And so I want to read the first eight verses. And I don't think I gave these to them, but I'm also going to read verses 12 through um, 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 uh, 16 or 17, okay? Um, from, the, from the first chapter of the book of James. James chapter 1, and I'm reading from the New King James, so uh, um, James from the New King James, all right? Chapter 1 and verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you all know who James was? James was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And um, didn't believe, he didn't believe on the Lord until after the resurrection and Jesus appeared to him. Paul said that one of the appearances of Jesus was to James. That would make you a believer. Amen. And, uh, you, you know, but he was, uh, he was, he was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. James was also an apostle uh, according to Paul, Paul made that statement in the book of Galatians that, that James was an apostle. But James refers to himself not as the brother of the Lord, not as an apostle, but he refers to himself and speaks of himself as the bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I was reading that, and I, it just struck me how that we've got a lot of ministers today that are self-proclaimed apostles. 
And here was a God-called apostle that didn't even refer to himself as an apostle, but referred to himself as a bondservant. So it doesn't make any difference whether you're a, a, a prophet or apostle or pastor or teacher or whatever. I think more than anything, we need to be bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and, and be, be sold out to Him. So uh, uh, he's a bondservant of, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And he says, greetings. And that word greetings there is a word in the Greek that means to be glad or to rejoice. So he's saying the first thing he says to them is rejoice, be happy, be glad. And then in verse 2 he says, my brethren, and I referenced these verses the other night, <clears throat> Sunday night in my message, on Thanksgiving, but he says this in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, and I know we all do that, so I know that, you know, we, we don't have a problem here, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I know we all have plenty of that. All right? But, <laughs> but let patience... Have her perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full, full, full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved Brethren, amen. So um, I just want to point out before we get into the lesson tonight, though, that there is a difference in the temptation that James talked about in verse 13 and the temptation and testing that James talked about in verses 2 through 8. There is a difference, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But James here is writing this epistle, this letter to Jews that had been scattered abroad, had been dispersed, probably during the, um, a lot of them maybe during the persecution that took place in the 8th chapter of Acts. But they were, they were Jews that had believed on the Lord Jesus, that had been born again, that were saved. And at this particular time, you know, at the beginning of the church, the majority of the church was made up of Jews. Those were the first Christians. Before Peter went to uh, Cornelius and preached the gospel there. And so that's a whole other study altogether. But he's writing to the Jews that were dis had been dispersed. And these Christian Jews are experiencing some severe trials. 
And so James is writing to them to give them some uh, encouragement. He wants to give them some instruction, but he wants to give them also some encouragement. So when we study the entire book of James, we'll find that, that these Jewish Christians were facing trials and tests, but they were also having some personal problems in their own lives, and there was some problems that were going on in their church fellowship as well that you find out when you read the book. And I would just encourage you to um, take time this week to read five chapters, all it is, five short chapters to read the entire book of James. And so you'll get a little bit of an idea of what James is talking about here. But there were some problems in their lives. There were some problems here James deals with in this epistle that was going on in the church. Now, as I said, they were going through, these Christians were going through some difficult times of testing. They were also facing temptation to sin. James deals with that in this first chapter. Chapter. Church members, um, when you study this book, you'll find that, that there were church members that were competing for offices in the church, particularly teaching positions and teaching offices. And James tells them, don't be desire to be a teacher. Many of you desire to be teachers because if you take that position of a teacher, you're going to be judged with a stricter judgment. Then, um, then I'm listen, I'm going to be judged before the Lord with a stricter judgment than you will. And that's why I preach the way I do. Because I'd rather preach a little on the hard side and stand before the Lord and say, I didn't hold nothing back than to, to, than to compromise the Word and have the Lord look at me and say, why didn't you teach my whole Word? Um, but anyway, that's another message in itself too. But, but there, was, there was a failure also on the part of many of these Jewish Christians to live what they professed to believe. And when you read the third chapter of James, you find out that there was, there was a problem. A lot of them were having a major problem with the way they were talking, their tongue was a big problem in their life. And James, uh, uh, James uses a whole chapter, the third chapter, just to deal with the most unruly member in the church, which everybody knows is what? The tongue. And so that's an, we may just teach on that chapter one night. I don't know yet. But, uh, but anyway, there was, there was division that was being caused in the assembly. Worldliness was a problem in the lives of many of these believers. Some of the members were disobeying the Word of God and because of their sin had become ill physically and, 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 and had to come and call for the elders to be prayed for. Uh, some were straying away from the Lord. Some were straying away from the church. Some were falling by the wayside. You know, when and I was studying this and reading this, I said, you know what? That sounds a lot like the church today. It's not a whole lot of difference, you know, and what was going on, you know, same, human nature's the same, people are the same, sin's the same, and the devil's the same, amen? And I know we're living in a day, you know, when uh, uh, everything seems to be, you know, the forces of hell have seemed to be unleashed on our earth. But let me tell you something. There was a lot of what's going on today that was going on then. And everything, every problem in, for our, in our life and in the church has been addressed in the Word of God. That Bible's not just some archaic book that was for them 2,000 years ago. But every problem we face today in our own personal 
personal lives and in the church is addressed in the Bible, in the Word of God. This is the absolute truth today. Can I get an amen? Amen? So James is dealing here with some up-to-date matters. And, um, and so all of the problems that were being dealt with here that were being experienced by these, uh, these believers, these Christians, um, had one common cause. There's one common cause for all these problems. And that cause was basically they were spiritually immature. I said they were spiritually immature. Now it's going to get quiet, isn't it? Uh, basically, the fact of the matter was that many of these Christians just simply were not growing up spiritually. And spiritual maturity, and I want you to hear me today, spiritual maturity is, I believe, one of the greatest needs in the church and in the body of Christ today. We have got to understand, saints of God, that there, uh, that there is room for all of us to grow up spiritually, that God does not want us to just remain in the babyhood state of our relationship with Him. When you get born again, you're born again as a, as a newborn babe in Christ. But from that point on, you are to develop and begin to grow and to feed on the Word of God and to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? That's one of my uh, jobs. Uh, part of my job description as a pastor is to, um, is to develop and to teach and to feed the flock of God and perfect the saints, mature the saints, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Can I get an Amen. And so that's what we're doing here tonight is, 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 is developing spiritual maturity. But too many times churches become spiritual playpens for spiritual babies that never want to develop and never want to grow up. And what we need today, what we need today is men and women of God that will feed on the Word of God, that will pray, that will draw close to Jesus, and that will become uh, stalwart, strong Christians for the Lord Jesus Christ and have an effect on the kingdom of God and be a blessing to the body of Christ. That's what all of us need to be. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So I am convinced that spiritual immaturity is the number one problem in the church world today, within the church today. Spiritual immaturity. Some people would say, well, maybe wouldn't agree with that, but I feel that that's, that is probably the number one problem in most of our churches. But God, as I said, is looking for mature men and women, believers that will carry on His work and not remain little children in the faith who can't fellowship and get along with one another. Praise God. All right? Are we on the same page? And James teaches about that in the book of James. Now James, this book of James follows the book of Hebrews. And I believe it's that way for a reason, for a purpose, because one of the major themes of Hebrews, of course the major theme is the, that Jesus in the New Testament is better than what we had or what they had in the Old Testament. But one of the major themes of 
the book of Hebrews is spiritual perfection. It's being perfected. The word perfect is found 14 times in the book of Hebrews. Now when I talk about spiritual perfection, about us being perfected, I'm not talking about being sinless. Are you, are, you, are you with me? Amen? Uh, because the word perfection, when it's used in, in the New Testament, is used referring to spiritual maturity. It's referring to completeness. Even when you go all the way back to the book of Job, you know, the Bible said, uh, remember what, what God said about Job? He said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job that he is what? A perfect and an upright man. He fears God and hates evil. Well, Job wasn't a sinless man, but he was, he, was, he was mature in the things of... He was, he was seeking after God. He was, he was upright and he um, was complete in the Lord. That's what God is looking for in us, is spiritual maturity. So in the book of Hebrews, 14 times, uh, the word perfect or spiritual maturity is, is talked about. The key verse in Hebrews is Hebrews 6 and 1, where the writer of Hebrews said... Let us go on into perfection or go on into spiritual maturity. And I wish I had time to just to delve in that a little bit. But, but in that fifth chapter of Hebrews, he talks about those that could not stand strong meat, a strong teaching. They were babes in Christ. They were still on the bottle. They were still on the milk. They were still on the pablum. But he said, we need to get off of that and go on into, get up and move on into maturity and into perfection. So now James is writing, and, and, and James uses the word perfect several times in his writings as well, in the, even in this first chapter. Now again, he didn't mean that we would to, were to be sinlessly perfect. You remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your your Father in heaven is perfect. Again, he's not talking about being sinless, but he's talking about being, growing up and being mature and being complete in the Lord and in the things of God. And, and so this is what we need to be striving for here at Abundant Life Family Church. Every single one of us need to be striving for that spiritual maturity, that place of growing up in Jesus. Amen? Paul talked about it in Ephesians 4. He said that you be henceforth no longer children carried about, tossed about with to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But he said that you grow up in Jesus, grow up in the things of God. And so that's what we need today here at Abundant Life. Every one of us, myself included. I'm not, listen, Paul himself even said in Philippians, you know, he said, I hadn't even attained that state of perfection, but I'm still pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And as many of us, he said, as would be perfect, let us be thus minded. In other words, have the mind to get closer to God and to grow up in Jesus and to be strong Christians, strong men and women for Jesus Christ. Praise God. That's why so many people backslide and get out of church and get away from the Lord. They're not growing. Not everyone that grows old grows up. Glory to God. 
there, <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference between age and maturity. Can I get an amen? Mature Christians are happy Christians, useful Christians who will help encourage one another and help build up their church and build up the body of Christ. So, so James is dealing with these individuals that need to, um, need to be perfected, that need to grow, that need to mature. And then he talks about, here in this first chapter, oddly enough, he talks about how trials play a part in that process. Is everybody listening? I know you didn't want to hear that. But but he talks about how trials play a part in that process and how that we profit from trials. We've all heard the uh, the old cliche, the old saying, that when life hands you a lemon... Make lemonade. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that right? Well, do you realize that that really is, that's not in the Bible, by the way. That's not a scripture. But that is, that is a biblical principle. I said it is a biblical principle. When life hands you a lemon, make lemonade, praise God. So, and the Bible is full of, individuals and full of people who, who did that. When life handed them lemons, they made lemonade. It's full of biblical examples of men and women of God who turned defeat into victory and who turned trials into triumphs. And instead of being victims, they became victors. And see, that's where God wants to take us and mature us and bring us to that place. Amen? But in order for us to be mature, we're going to have to, we're going to have to make some lemonade along the way. Come on, somebody. So James tells us that we can have the same experience today, no matter what the trials of life may be. By that I mean the same experience that many and all of the, of the Bible characters had. And, you know, James goes on in the fifth chapter. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay with my, with my notes tonight so that I don't get, don't get sidetracked. But he goes on in the fifth chapter to talk about the prophets of old, how they endured, um, they endured suffering. He said, you've heard of the patience of Job. He talks about the Old Testament prophets. But all these men, when you read about those Old Testament prophets, and those Old Testament uh, men and women of God who, who faced terrible conflict and terrible trials and terrible situations in their life, but they endured and they persevered and they had faith and they kept on going, glory to God. And God brought them through the fire and God brought them through the flood and God brought them through the powers of darkness and brought them through to victory. Amen. And they didn't become a victim, but they came a victor and an overcomer. And that's what God has for every single one of us here at Abundant Life Family Church. Oh, praise God. I'm about to preach myself happy. So James said that we can have this same experience and the same result that they had is spiritual victory. And so in this passage... In James chapter 1, he gives, he, he, he gives four imperatives that are, that are mentioned here in four words. And I probably won't get through all of them. If I do, I'll just have to touch on some of them. But he uses the words in this first chapter of James. He uses the word count, the word know, 
the word let and the word ask. Are you with me? He said, count, know, let, and ask. Four imperatives here in this first chapter that he tells us that will help us to come through the times of trial and the process of maturing and perfecting our spiritual walk. Are you ready? All that was just introduction. (laughs) Amen. So in James 1 and 2, what's he say? Count. There's the first word. Count it all joy. This is the verse that I referenced Sunday night. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Oh, man. Count it. I've got to read that again. Count it (laughs) all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, the King James Version, King James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And uh, there's a difference, and that's the reason I like the New King James in this, because it translates it, I think, a little bit better, because there's a difference in the word temptation used here and the word temptation that's used a little later over there when he talks about uh, um, enticements to sin. Because the word tempted here doesn't mean to be enticed to sin, but the word tempted in verse 2 means trials and tests. It's testings, not allurements to sin. In verse 13, I believe it was, he said that God, let no man say when he's tempted that he's been tempted of God, for God uh, cannot be tempted with evil and neither does he tempt any man. That's talking about solicitation to evil or sin. God will never tempt you to do something wrong or to go into sin. Satan is the one that does that. But God will use times and bring you into times of testings and various trials in order to develop your walk with Him and to test and try the genuineness of your faith in Him. Are you with me now tonight? So God tells us, or James tells us, the Holy Spirit does, through James tells us here that we are to expect trials. Man. This is a shouting ground, isn't it? Brother Rick, are you talking, you telling me I need to really just be expecting trials to come? Because I've heard that, boy, if I get in a certain place with God and get enough faith, I won't have any trouble. Well, i got news for you tonight. That isn't what the Bible teaches, amen? He didn't say, James didn't say, if you fall into various trials and tests. He said, when you fall into various testings, amen? We are going to face tests and trials as born again blood washed believers. Jesus warned his disciples of the very same thing in John chapter 16 verse 33. We're very familiar with that. He said in the world, Jesus said in the world you shall have tribulation. But then he went on to say be of good cheer, be of good courage for I have overcome the world. But nevertheless he said in the world, long as you're in the world you will have tribulation. That's trials, that's tests, that's a 
afflictions and that type of a thing. Psalm, Psalm 34, 19 says, what about, it says, uh, what about the afflictions of the righteous, that they just have them every once in a while? It said, no, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. But then again, it didn't stop there. It said, but the Lord shall deliver him out of them all. Can I get an Amen. Paul told the saints in Acts 14, 22, he said that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Peter emphasizes that same, that same truth in 1 Peter 4 and 12 when he says, Beloved, think it not strange. Beloved, that's believers, that's Christians. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Has anybody ever had stuff happen to you? And you said, that's just strange. I don't understand this. I can't figure this out. How many knows what I'm talking about? He said, don't think it's, Peter said, don't think it's strange when you fall into those fiery trials. Satan, listen to me. Listen, as long as we're in this world, we have an adversary. His name's the devil. And Satan is going to fight us. This fallen, ungodly, sin-cursed world in this culture today is going to oppose us as believers, as children of God. And this makes for a life full of conflict and battle and if you're saved tonight, it's not going to be a bed of roses or a Sunday school picnic. There's a real live, real live devil out there that you're going to have to stand up against and go through some stuff and be a man and woman of God and overcome the things of this world. Can I get an amen? I keep forgetting I'm, not in, I'm in Bible study tonight. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into. And that, that phrase, fall into, means to encounter, to come across, or to experience. So he's saying that you're going to encounter various trials. You're going to experience various trials in your life. That word various is a word that means all different kinds. It's actually one of the Greek meanings of that word various means many colored or multicolored. So what does that mean? That means that there's going to be all kinds of different stuff <laughs> that, you're gonna, that you and I are going to have to deal with in this life. Kind of like I remember an evangelist here that preached a message about and said, if it ain't one thing, it's another. Amen? I mean, that was the way it was with Job. It was various different trials that he faced and that he went through. And so it's multicolored. All the trials that we face in life are not all the same. They're not all alike. They're, they're, they're different. One, one is different from another. And you may face something in life, a trial in life, that, that you may say, man, I never went through anything like this before. Has anybody ever been there? I'm just being honest. I, I have. And I've thought it to be one of those strange things. Amen? But let me tell you something tonight. All believers, now how many of us, I, I'm, I'm assuming everybody here tonight saved. Everybody here is born again. I'm going to assume that. Because that's what Christians do on Wednesday night. They come to church. <laughs> but if you're here tonight 
saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You belong to God. Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that you have been bought with a price. You do not, listen to me, you do not belong to the devil. You do not belong to the world. You belong to God Almighty. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus. You've been delivered from the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Now that ought to be enough to make somebody shout tonight to know you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He said you are bought with a price and are not even your own. You don't even belong to yourself. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So as a believer, listen to me, Satan, everything Satan does in your life or everything Satan brings to you, he does it for the purpose of harming you. He is out, here's what Satan's out to do. He's out to destroy your faith. In God. He's after your faith. When Jesus told Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, what was the next thing Jesus said? When Je Jesus said, Peter, Satan's desired to have you to sift you as wheat, and then he said, But I have prayed for you, not that you won't falter or fail, because Peter did, but he said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Boy, there's a big difference there. There's a big difference in you faltering or failing and your faith failing. But what Satan's after tonight is after your faith. He wants to destroy your faith. And every attack of Satan against you is to destroy your faith. But the Lord's intention, now listen to me, the Lord's intention in allowing trials and tests in your life is to not destroy your faith, but the Lord's intention is to strengthen your faith and build your character and help mature you. Oh, somebody ought to be shouting here tonight. Amen? That's why he said that, that when you fall into various trials and tests and, and things of that nature that you can count it all joy because God has got a plan and he's working something out in your life because you don't belong to the devil. You belong to Jesus. He's got you in his hands. Woo! Hallelujah. If we could get a hold of this, it would, it would help us to, to, to go through these things with a whole different attitude. We've got to trust the Lord that regardless of the trial, and I mentioned this Sunday night, that He is working in the midst of that. God is working all things together for our good. It's like that multicolored trials, you know. I, I, I was, you know, I, I don't, anybody here crochet or knit? There's variegated yarn that you can buy that's, that's multicolored. Yeah. 
And it just, it's just different colors. But boy, if you get a hold of somebody that knows how to weave that and knit that and crochet that just right, you can make a beautiful scarf or a sweater or afghan or anything out of that because all, when it's weaved together, all those colors flow together and come together and make something beautiful. And that's what God can do with those multicolored different trials that we face in our life. He knows how to work it all together and to bring it all together. And when we think it's a strange thing, we can go ahead and rejoice in the Lord and count it all joy because God, we know you're working it all together. It's going to work out for my good. The devil can't have his way. Woo, hallelujah. Man, I don't know if I'm helping anybody, but I'm helping me. Preach to myself. Preach to myself, I'll amen myself. I'll take myself an offering, maybe. <laughs> so the key word, I gotta check my time. The key word here is what I say it was, count. We ain't gonna get through four of them, are we? Count. Count it all joy. The word count, there's, it's a financial term. It means to evaluate, to calculate, to count up or compute. So you're counting it all joy. It's an, you're making an evaluation. So see, when you face the trials of life, you're going through a test. You and I, we have to evaluate those trials in the light of what God is doing for us in those trials. See, here's the thing. We've not evaluated or counted any and calculated the trial the way we should. We've looked at it as being a bad thing. A strange thing, a terrible thing that, that the Lord... And then a lot of people drop out of the race because they say, If God really loved me, He wouldn't let this happen to me. Do you belong to Him? If you are saved and you belong to Jesus, calculate it. God, count it. He's working it out. He's got you in His hand. He's, he's pulling everything together. Can I get an amen? He's doing something. And this, this explains why that the, the dedicated Christian, the consecrated Christian can have joy. The mature Christian can have joy in the midst of the trials. You know, Jesus, even the Bible says concerning Jesus, that Jesus in Hebrews 12 and 2, that he endured the cross, despising the shame. How did he do that? It said, for the joy that was set before him. What does that mean? That means that Jesus could go to the cross. Do you think that his suffering on the cross was a pleasant thing? No, it wasn't a pleasant thing. Was it in the will of God? Yes, it was in the will of God. How did he endure that cross? How did he make it through there? It said that he was looking to the joy that was set before him. He knew that when it was over with and when he came through it, he was returning back to heaven. He would sit on the right hand of God and one day he would have his uh, manifest his glory in his church that he would have 
sons and daughters born into the kingdom of God. It was the joy of what was going to happen through him going to the cross. Your trial is not the end. Look to the finished result. Look to the end result. God is working it all out in your behalf. Well, praise God. Our values determine our evaluations. I'll probably close with this. Because I got more I got more to say than I got time to say it. But our our values, what we value most determines our evaluations are how we evaluate things, how we count things or calculate things. Are you with me? What do we value the most? See, if we value comfort more than character, then the trial will upset us because we don't want to be out of our comfort zone. But if we're calculating and evaluating, is anybody understanding this? If we're evaluating this whole situation the way we should and seeing it in the light of the Word of God, then we'll understand that, 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 that getting out of our comfort zone and coming through that trial is going to develop our character and help us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's how we look at things. It's how we evaluate the situation. See, if we evaluate, or let me say it this way, if we value the material and the physical more than we do the spiritual, then we're not going to be able to count the trial all joy when we're going through it. Are you listening to me? Because we're worried about our physical situation. We're worried about our material needs. We're worried about I ain't got enough money at the end of the month. There's too much month at the end of the money. Come on, somebody. And we're saying, well, I don't know why I have to go through But if we will value the the spiritual more than the material. That's what's wrong with the church over the last 50 years. We've been taught to value material things. My God, we've got to get back to valuing the things of God and the things of the Holy Ghost. Woo! And when we do that, when we can see it in the light of what God is working in our life, then you can count it all joy. Hallelujah. Paul said in Philippians, I've learned how to, be, to abound. And I've learned how to be abased. And he said, you know, we got, listen, we got, we got people going all over, the, putting it on Facebook and and. and, and confessing all the time. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do, do you know what he was talking about? Philippians 4.13 Do you know how you understand the Bible? There's three main secrets to getting the right interpretation of the Bible. Context, context, and context. 
too many churches and preachers today that are pull a verse out here and a verse out there and a verse out over here and build some kind of doctrine and it's not, it's not based on the Word of God. When, when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, this isn't in my notes, so I, I know the Holy Ghost just leading this way. When he said, I can do all things through Christ, if you'll read the context, he was talking about, he was talking about, he said, I have learned how to be abased. I have been without nothing. I have been flat broke. I have, I, I have had to learn how to do without. I have suffered hunger. I have suffered thirst. I've went through, I've been at the bottom of the barrel. But he said, I also have learned how to abound. I've been at the place where I've had it all and I've been blessed and I've had my needs met. But he said, it doesn't matter if I'm on the top or if I'm on the bottom. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Woo! I've done it again, Brother Jaws. We've got Bible study turned into camp meeting. Wednesday night revival. If we only, I'm talking about how you, what you value determines your evaluation. How you value, what you value in life determines how you evaluate your situation. So if we live only for the present, for the now, for the physical, and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter instead of making us better. But Job had the right outlook. In Job 23, verse number 8, Job said this. He said, he's in the midst of his trial. I'm trying to bring this session to a, to a landing, Okay. He's in the midst of his trial. We don't have to go in that. We all know what Job went through. Lost everything, right? Lost his health. I mean, his wife even got mad at him. That is bad. <laughs> but listen, Job 23:8. he said, Job said this, he said, I, he said, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward... And I can't perceive him. What was he saying? I can't find God in this. I can't find God in this. I'm going forward and I can't find him. I'm looking backward and I can't find him. He said, I can't perceive him. But notice then it says in verse 9, When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. Notice what Job said. God's working but I just can't see it. I, I don't know if anybody's getting that or not. He said he's working on the left hand, but I can't behold him. I'm not seeing it. When he turns to the right hand, I'm not, I cannot see him. I don't understand what's going on. But in verse 10, he said this, and here was the outlook he had. He said, but he knows the way that I take. He knows what I'm facing. 
He knows what I'm going through. He knows what's happening in my life. And when he, who, God, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. See, when trials come, when testing comes, if we can get a hold of what Job had a hold of, to know that the purpose of that test that God is bringing you through to, to, to purify you as gold, you're coming through the fire. He's going to test you and you're coming out as gold. And when you do that, when you evaluate your situation in that light, immediately then you, if you can see that, immediately you can then begin to be joyful and praise and count it all joy and thank the Lord because He is going to bring you through. Devil, you a lie. I'm coming through and I'm coming through better than I was. Woo, hallelujah. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So we've got to look at the trial through the eyes of faith because outlook determines the outcome. Your outlook determines the outcome. We got, you know, when you was in school, you had to take the test. And if you didn't pass the test, you didn't get to move on, but you had to take it again. Amen? In school, it's a little different with God, but, but, but still, you've got to pass the test in order to get the reward, to be, to be better. See, the teacher, the teacher and the administration and the school district and the, and the, 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 the State Department of Education wants to know, have you learned anything through the schooling and the training? So you've got to take the test so they'll know the genuineness of what you have received in that training. And in the same way, you've got to go through the test for God to see and for you to know and for others to see. The genu- is my faith real? Is my faith solid? Is my faith steadfast? Is my faith true? Hallelujah. Faith must be tested. Amen. And when it's tested, it will develop your spiritual character. When you endure it, and that'll have to be next week. Because that's just one word, look. We've, we've preached tonight on look, or count, I'm sorry, count. Count. I have jumped in. Count. So Lord willing, next week we'll talk about the second word. You know what the second one is? No. Count is the joyful attitude, count it all joy. No is the understanding mind. When he says in verse 3, knowing, knowing. How can you count it all joy? When you know what he's telling you in verse 3. Amen. Well, let's stand tonight. I've got a hush. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, let's lift our hands and praise him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we definitely need your grace tonight to help us to apply this word to our hearts and lives. Because, God, we know trials are coming. Tests are coming. You said that when they come, not if they come. But, God, we need your grace tonight. Help us to rightfully, rightfully count and evaluate this test. Help us to see it for what it really is. And Lord, for the joy that is set before us to be able to rejoice in you right in the midst of it. Glory to God.